Still do, obviously he's still alive. Um, but he was a man of very few words. Uh, some of you may have experienced this. You may, you may have found now that you're an adult, your dad's speaking to you a little bit more. Some of you maybe it just hasn't happened. Um, some of you have dads that just speak life and love all over you. But for me, I had a, a dad who was raised by a father who was killed by a tree. Uh, sorry, he's, sorry. he was raised by a father whose father was killed by a tree so my, when he was young. So my dad's grandfather was squished by a tree when he was young, meaning my dad was raised by a man who didn't have a father. Can I, is, it too, is it too soft? Is it, do you want me to be turned up a little bit? Are we good? All good? All right. Um, and so what that meant is my dad... Didn't have that example um, of, of you know, active present dad. Um, his dad did the best he could, and then my dad did the best he could. And I'm now doing the best I can do. Praise the Lord, I've got a really great heavenly father, and I've been taking notes in how he fathers me. Um, and and my, my story, my reality is, I ran around life with uh, an adoption certificate. Signed by Jesus or by the Father, actually, with Jesus' blood. But I didn't really realise the power of that. I didn't, it's almost as if it, it didn't even exist. And so what happened is, growing up, I was told Jesus loves you, God loves you, God's for you, he loves you. It's Easter Sunday, you know, I grew up, you know, Easter was all about Jesus. It wasn't about chocolates, although we liked the chocolates. It was about Jesus, you know, he is risen. He's risen indeed. You know, I knew it. I grew up in the church. Um, but there was this, this part of me that longed for uh, human affection and affirmation. And I think that's quite normal. Um, I think it actually is like the law in Old Testament. It actually points us to the solution, which is our Heavenly Father. And so I, I, uh, I don't know if anyone can relate to me, but when I was young, I would come to my father and I would say, Dad, would you please sign for me? And I wouldn't say it quite like that. But I would do it like this. Look what I made. Look at the Lego creation I made. Look what I've done. Did you know I know all these facts about dinosaurs? Or, you know. And every time I'd be coming to my dad, I'd be saying, sign for me. Sign for me. Sign for me. I need you to validate. And um, my dad got really sick when I was 10 to when I was about 15. When I say really sick, he had chronic fatigue, malaria, hepatitis, dengue fever, um, typhoid, and I don't know, there were a few others in there. He was so sick, came back from Indonesia in a wheelchair. And so during those crucial years of 10 to 15, I just remember my dad sleeping a lot and going for very, very, very slow walks. And um, so, you know, when it came to football, I did football. My mum was determined for me to somehow fit in with the guys. And so football was the answer. And um, one of them did urinate in a bottle and try and get me to drink it, one of the uh, footy players. That wasn't fun. There was one night as well where my mum uh, forgot that I was at football training. Um, she dropped me off there. I don't know how she forgot. And uh, Dad would have been asleep. So mum was on the phone to her friend Ellie. And I don't know, the next thing I know, I'm getting pushed around in the locker room. I'm like, she better come soon because this is not going to end well. 
and uh, and about four hours into it, I just you know, this car just flies into the car park. It's my, I'm so sorry, I forgot you were here. <laughs> and so, you know, I would often find myself going, who's going to sign for me? Who's going to sign for me? And, uh, and then I moved into, into uh, high school and uh, realised you could actually hang out with these incredible creatures, incredible creations called girls. And if you're kind of a bit of a class clown, if you're a little bit funny, you know, if you spiked your hair the right way, had enough gel in there, you know, they actually, they pay attention to you. So I was like, yes, finally, someone's going to sign for me and it'll be girls. And a few girls did sign for me, but then they um, wanted a refund. And they were like, returning to the store. So, um, so you know, that was fun. And then, um, and then I discovered pornography at the age of uh, 14, 13, 14, um, just through a Target catalogue. So I was delivering newspapers. That was my, I was a paper boy, one of those kids that would run by, ride by and throw the paper. And, oh, the amount of times. And my dad actually made me quit because he kept having to wake up on Sunday morning super early to pick me up from the side of the road where I'd like, the bike had broken and he's like, I'll pay you not to be a paper boy anymore. I'm like, you made me get the job. But, um, but in, the, in delivering all this stuff, you know, you start to, my curious little mind goes, oh wow, look at this, look at this, wow, girls in, in lingerie. I didn't care that it was, um, you know, $49 or whatever. I just went, wow, look, look at this, um, Look at the picture. This is really—it's doing something to me. And, and I found that pornography would sign for me every time, um, but the ink would dry very quickly. And actually, very, very soon after, I'd find uh, it would fade. Sorry, the ink would fade very quickly. And very soon after, I would find myself um, actually more desperate for affirmation and validation than than before. Um, I then had this incredible encounter with the Lord the age of 19. Um, some of you know my story. I was in a bar. man comes up to me. I've never met him. He says, Andrew, God loves you so much. You've got to come back to him. At this point, I'd given up on validation and just decided to escape. So I was drinking. I was sleeping with my girlfriend. I was going clubbing. I was just escaping the fact that no one was ever going to sign for me. I couldn't get into medicine. Medicine to me was, that was it. If I got into medicine, then I would truly make my parents proud. And uh, you know, the funny thing is, I meet people, and this message today, um, and we, we will jump into Ephesians in a minute, this message today is not just for that 19-year-old kid, which I needed this message back then. It's also for the 50 and the 60 and the 70-year-olds in the room. Because I meet people and they're still trying to impress their dad and he's dead. They're still trying to get validation from their father and he's gone. Yet we have a heavenly Father that roars over us, that shouts over us His blessing. And yet we look for it in the things of this world. And so, anyway, I had this incredible encounter because in all my rebellion, in all my attempt to disappear and to, to escape and my thoughts of suicide and everything, this man comes up to me. And the first thing he said to me was, do you love your parents? In a bar at 11 o'clock at night, I was working there. I was making coffees and drinks. I was like, who asks their waiter if they love their parents? But it was like the woman at the well. Hey, tell us about your husband. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it got my attention. And 
I said, yeah, I, I love my parents. Why would you say that? He says, there's a great love out there for you. I said, that's nice. Who are you and why are you talking to me like this? He says, um, I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian. I said, oh, I'm looking for a church. You know, I, I'm a Christian. Looking for a church, it's Christianese for don't go to church anymore. You know, I'm looking for a church. And um, he goes, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. He looks me in the eye and says, Andrew, God loves you so much and you've got to come back to him. And I knew right then that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. It was this profound moment of, oh my goodness, he loves me. But, you know how we're quick to forget the goodness of God and the, the, these moments with God? It's like the seed goes in and all of a sudden the birds come and the weeds come. Well, I just picked up my adoption certificate. Now that I was a Christian, I was going to be the best Christian in the world. And I became a youth pastor. Oh, man. Youth pastor. You get lots of signatures as a youth pastor. Um, because you've got parents and you've got youth. If you do a good job and the kids are going well, everyone signs for you. It's so good. And then I became a young adults pastor up at Discovery Church in Manila. We went from 80 people to 300 people. You have no idea how big those signatures were. I was like, people, we had uh, buses come by, do tours, trying to understand what's the success of the young adults ministry and rah, rah, rah. And I'm like, yeah, it's all me, baby, it's all me. And um, anyway, that's pretty unhealthy. And so then, um, <laughs> so then uh, we planted a church over in the US, in California. Now you've got to understand, we would host Bethel Music at the church that we were with. We were at a, a church of uh, 20,000 people, four campuses, um, all within uh, five minutes of each other. We'd host Francis Chan, we'd host Rick Warren. Rick Warren's church was just down the road. We were like, we were like, you know, happening church. And I was planting a church with these guys. Oh my. Matt Redman walks by. You know, how great is that? How great is that? You know, you just, g'day, how you doing on Matt? G'day, Matt, how you doing? Person having lunch with me goes, I said, what? what is it? Oh, that was Matt Redman. I'm like, who's that? You know, how great is our God? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know that song. Yeah, he just shook my hand. Validation! <laughs> I was finally making it. And then all of a sudden, um, with this incredible service, it was profound actually. What had happened is the supernatural had started breaking out um, when, when I would do ministry when Joyce and I would do things in our house church that we were planting and all this. And gold dust was appearing. Um, some of you may have heard me share about this. Gold dust would appear um, in people's Bibles in the same room where I was ministering. Um, pastors that didn't believe in this stuff. The mega church was quite a conservative church. They would, um, they would sit down, open their Bibles and go, <gasps> you know, what the heck is this? I would sit down just to pray before getting up to preach and the seats all around me would be covered in gold dust. Now, I don't see gold dust in the Bible, but I also didn't see um, me marrying Joyce in the Bible either. And I didn't see the blind eyes healed in China that I saw recent, you know, a couple of years ago and the other blind eyes in Africa that we prayed for. I didn't see them get healed in the Bible either. My point is sometimes I can say... Um, you gold dust and everyone goes, oh, well, that's what this church did. You know, it's, it's the religious spirit. You, you can't see if it's not here, you know, it must be the devil. And he's like, oh, greater things you'll do. And oh, if you, if you heard about everything that Jesus did, it couldn't even cont be contained in a book. You know? But 
we have to only... Anyway, this is where I get my theology, but sometimes he likes to give us experiences that are just show off his goodness. And so I remember getting on a plane one time and the whole row that I was had been sitting in, I went, got up, went to the toilet, came back just as we landed, the whole row was covered in gold dust. I've got videos of it I can show you. And I'm like, and I said, Lord, what is this? He says, you're going back into a supernatural um, environment, get ready, it's on. And I'm like, okay, so I'm thinking, revival, come on. One Sunday I preach, gold dust appears on the roof, people get slain in the spirit, which is falling over, which is all through the Bible when people encounter God, they, they'll fall over. Not always, but, but sometimes we see it with Daniel and Joshua and people like that. People are falling over, and then I get called into a meeting. Andrew, enough's enough. You're done. You're too charismatic, too Pentecostal. They ended up doing a ban on anyone going to anything Bethel-related. Um, they, they just clamped down, and they said, enough's enough. We're not having any of this Holy Spirit stuff. Problem was, they were sponsoring our visa. And because they were sponsoring our visa, that meant that when they pulled the pin on my job, we lost our visa, we lost our neighbours, we lost our cars, we lost our church plant, we lost our friends, we lost everything. So we came home, and um, I'm, I'm meant to be this great missionary church planter in America, and now I'm a bum in Mount Evelyn, in my backyard. That's how I felt. That's how I saw myself. And I'd water, the, water my tomatoes with my tears. And I remember I kept knocking on... Um, I did. I had an epic garden. It was really good. But it was, it was just because I didn't know it was either that or go crazy. So I just started gardening. Some people know what I'm talking about. I remember knocking on the door of Discovery Church where we used to pastor. And I love those guys, but I couldn't do anything. I mean, I was like, guys... We took it from 80 to 300. You know, I've baptised so many of these people. I've, you know, married them. I've, and all I could do was mow the lawns once. They allowed me to mow the lawns once. And I was like, man, this sucks. And I'm in my backyard and I'm going, okay, I've gone from getting all these signatures to nothing. And I... It doesn't matter what I do, I, what do I do? And the Lord asked me this question. He said, Andrew, am I enough? And I remember it's clear as day. He's like, Andrew, am I enough? I was starting to walk back to the house. I'd just been gardening. I was walking back to the house. We'd maybe been back a month. And I answered with all sincerity, no, you are not. I said, you plus position is enough. You plus a title is enough. You plus some sort of affirmation is enough, but you are not enough. And when I realised that, <laughs> I realised I was pretty ungodly. Like when I said that, and I said it, you know, God can handle your mess. One of the worst things you could ever do is, is be in denial about the state of your heart. Because how can he heal and provide if you won't let him? Sometimes we need to come before the Lord and just say, Hey, I'm not doing well. Help. <laughs> when we humble ourselves, he lifts us up. And so, uh, 
I spent a year. The Lord said, don't work all year. So I took the year off, went to 15 different countries. That's that. Off Joyce's part-time cafe wage. I mean, we had $10,000 drop in the account at one point, $5,000 drop in the account at another point. And he took me all around the world. And, and I remember asking him afterwards, I said, why did you do that? And he said, because I wanted you to fall in love with the church again. Because I hated the church after this experience. I mean, I would walk into the back of the church and I'd start swearing straight up. One time we went into a church, I said, F this. And Joyce grabs my hand and says, no, you are staying. I'm like, no. Because I just all I saw was skinny leg jeans, smoke machines and try hard backstabbers. I was like, I'm done with the church. They chew you up and they spit you out when you're no, not any use to them. Anyway, um, he took me around the world and he showed me, he helped me to fall in love with the church again. And the other thing he did is he he showed me that he's enough. That's good. And uh, we were over in Wales. Um, oh, stuff. I'll just finish the story and then we'll go to the scripture. We were over in Wales and I was reading a book called Healing the Orphan Spirit by Leif Hetland. And... Um, Basically, life says this. He says, um, the orphan spirit cannot be removed. It must be replaced with sonship. We have to know who we are. And basically, uh, what, he, what he's saying by the orphan spirit is this sense of you have to earn your place. This sense of I need to earn my place. So I have brothers and sisters that are orphans. And only by the grace of God do they go, we belong. Because my parents have said to them all, you all get equal share of our will. You're all, you know, part of our family. You're all, and because of the way that they've demonstrated that. But I still know, because I've talked to some of these kids. I'll never forget one of these kids, Tisson. He was living with another family, also an orphan. Living with another family at my parents' hospital complex in Indonesia. And I still remember driving with him and him just howling and saying... Why don't they love me the same as they love their own children? Why don't they hug me and kiss me the same way they love their own children? Because he was living as a foster kid with um, And he's like, I just want to be loved the same as them. And um, so I'm reading this book and I'm like, why am I trying to earn my place? Ultimately, in God's family, why am I trying to earn my place when he's given it to me? And, um, and I said to Joyce, I said, because the first step to receiving the Father's love, and really that's what today is about, that's what Easter is about. The veil was torn. We, we all of a sudden, we had full access to the Father through the Son, and we'll look at that in Ephesians. Full access. The first step to receiving the Father's love, receiving the Father's blessing, is acknowledging if we actually have Him. <laughs> or if and, and actually, if we've been working against receiving, which is trying to earn. And so I said to my wife, I said, oh, I don't know what to do. I said, I reckon I've got this orphan spirit. And she goes, well, what are you going to do about it? I love this. Your spouse is usually your harshest critic because they're your biggest fan. Yeah. She's like, so what are you going to do about it? And I'm like, you're meant to sit here in the dust with me and cry about the orphan spirit with me. There, there, that's so hard. So what are you going to do about it? I'm like, oh. 
I said, I'll spend some time with the Lord. So I lie down and I have an open vision. And in this vision, I'm preaching in a stadium. And I go, yes! Yes! A stadium! I'm going to get so many signatures. This is awesome! I mean, stadiums hold a lot of people. And I look out. And you've got to understand, I'm wide awake. I'm actually repenting to the Lord for trying to earn my way. I just knew, I was like, God, I'm so sorry. I've been trying to earn what you poured out freely. And I get this vision. I'm in the stadium. And I look out and I see there's only one person in the stadium. And I know it's Father. It's Father God. And he looks at me as I'm preaching. And he does this one. And I'm like, he's not impressed. How is he not impressed? This is a stadium and I'm doing it for him. It's kind of like, Sam, if you released the solo album, Maverick City endorses it, some of the guys play on it, you know, it's this sense of like, I'm in a stadium. I don't know what it is for you. For Sarah, it might be the greatest Airbnb in the world, you know, and just... And she's on the front page of all the magazines and people are saying, I get refreshed every time. Every time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I was like, I'm doing the thing. I'm an evangelist. I'm now at the top of my tree for you and you're not impressed. So I started calling up all the lives that we'd impacted, the marriages that have been saved, the, the people we'd led to the Lord. You know, and, and they appear on the stage behind me. This is like as clear as day. But I'm not seeing it, but I'm seeing it lying on the ground. And I see these, these people, they, they appear, I point to them, and I, and I look at the Father and I go, are you not impressed? Will you not validate me? And he does this one, no joke. And some of you have heard this story before, so thank you for sticking through. The Lord might be reminding you of his love and his good, goodness mate. today. Great. He does this one. <laughs> and I'm like, seriously? I've been on missions trips for you. I've sat on couches till 2am to see marriages restored. I've led people to the Lord. I, Are you serious? And you know, the, the, the crazy thing about the orphan spirit is you can never... You can never you can never satisfy that beast. Like when I got married, I thought my wife was going to do this. She was going to validate me. And I would do this to her all the time. Sign for me. Sign for me. Sign for me. And do you know what? I was killing her. She would say to me, I feel like I walk around our house on, on eggshells. Because if she didn't thank me, if she didn't notice that I'd cleaned something and then thank me for it, like, I did the douches. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Validation. I'd be like, so, what are we doing later tonight? <laughs> I've got a headache. I'm like, a headache? You need a sign for me. You need to validate me. Sexually. <laughs> and I'm like, I cannot impress the father. I just can't. And so 
I see him, he stands up and he comes down and he grabs my hand and he says, come sit with me, I want to show you something. And I go up and sit at the back of this stadium with the Father and Jesus comes out. And uh, we've got a cross here today. Was, there was this big cross. They, they put Jesus up on the cross in front of the Father and I and they, and they beat him and they whipped him and they, they crucified him in front of us. And I watched as his blood poured out. I watched as he, as he took what I was meant to take. And the father just turned to me and he said, Andrew, son, stop trying to add to it. You'll never add to it. And I went. Bawled my eyes out. Absolutely bawled my eyes out. Real, in real life. And then he gave me another vision of me dancing with him when I was a teenager in those critical years when my dad couldn't chase me around the house, couldn't do all those things that we, many of us have fond memories of our dad doing. And, um, and we danced and, and in the morning I said to Joyce, I said, I dealt with that orphan spirit, it's gone. He just loves me. He just, he, I couldn't add to it, I couldn't, you know, I explained it to her. Fast forward a few months, I was telling this story to a friend. She said, have you ever received the Father's blessing? I said, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, oh, it's when, in Jewish custom, when a man enters into his 30s, the Father will set up a business deal. And so it works like this. So Liam comes over. Um, he's, he's my business associate. Ben's my son. And I go, thanks so much for coming. You know, this is the deal. And uh, and then what the father will do is he'll actually step back. So sets up the deal and sets back. And then the son knows at that point, I get to finish the deal. My handshake, my signature is as good as my dad's. And it's so interesting that Jesus coming into his 30s approaches his baptism. And what happens? Publicly, the father says, this is my beloved son, and he brings me great joy. And everyone would have known because of Jewish customs and traditions that from that point on, Jesus represents the father. And what does the enemy do? What does he go after straight away in the wilderness? The devil says, if you are the son of God, do this. If you are the son of God, do this. If you are the son of... If you are performed. If you are performed. If you are performed. The, the crazy thing is we're all going after unconditional love. We long for unconditional love. But we've been conditioned for conditions. We were made for unconditional love, but we've been conditioned for conditions. Dad will take you out for an ice cream if you clean your room first. I will... Um, look, I'm happy to take you out on a date if you can do this first. We were made for unconditional love, but we've been conditioned for conditions, and so it's so hard to see our father in the right way because conditions have always been put on love and he's trying to show us a better way. I remember a, a friend, 
this same bar that I was working at, um, this family was, was trying to really reach me with the gospel. and They had a, a WRX. One of the girls had just bought a brand new WRX. And she, uh, the, the daughter says to me, this girl that she was probably in her early 20s, she just bought this brand new WRX. She says, how are you doing, Andrew? I said, my car's broken down, so I'm, I'm okay, but I'm not great. She goes, oh, um, here you go. Pat forward. And throws me the keys to her brand new WRX. And I did what Ben just did then. I handed them back, and I went, I don't know what you're talking about. A few years later, I watched that movie, Pat it Forward. Anyone seen it? In the movie, the guy throws keys and hands over the car, and I went, Oh my gosh, she was giving me her car! I actually didn't know. I did not realise that she was trying to give me her WRX. It's the grace of God, because she was... You know, a nice girl, we probably would have got to know each other, and Sean, Abby, and Evan wouldn't exist. And I was so thankful that uh, I gave those keys back. Because I married the right woman, I tell you. Imagine purchasing something, imagine giving something, and, and it not being received, in fact, it being thrown. Like, imagine the father sending his only son for you, and then you trying to earn what he had already done for you. It's almost insulting. Imagine if I did take that car, and then I found out her bank details, and I kept paying her money until I'd paid the car off. She'd go, no, 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 no. I gave it to you as a free gift. Why are you depositing money in my bank account? It was out of love. Maybe ulterior motives. (laughs) But um, it was out of love. That she did that for me, and yet, imagine if I tried to earn it. And yet we do that with the Lord. Easter is Jesus' pay-it-forward moment. It's God's pay-it-forward moment. He says, you know what? You You couldn't earn it. You don't deserve it. Still, I'll give my son away. And we have an opportunity at Easter to receive what he's done. So Ephesians 1, verse... 3 to 14. We'll read it. I've got three points and then we'll pray. Is that good? Yeah. We good? Yep. (laughs) Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, not going to, who has blessed us in Christ with some spirit, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us. He chose us. He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Holy and blameless before Him. Holy and blameless before Him. That's pretty good news. That's a pretty good gift. In love, I just love the word. Okay, I haven't picked it up. 
in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself. As sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. He has blessed us in the beloved. Who's the beloved? Jesus. Why don't you love me the way you loved Jesus? I do. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Oh, it's just too good. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. So how's this for, for we'll just pause there for one second. How's this for crazy? So when I went to, when we went to Wales, Wales is where I had this vision. This changed my life forever. When I went to Wales, the reason we were able to go is because my grandfather gifted us $5,000. So it was an inheritance. When we got to the house that we were staying at in Wales, it was on a random street, but there was a little lane that you had to go down to park your car behind the house. And the lane was called John Street. And John was written on the side of the house that we stayed in. And my grandfather's name is John. And just before my grandfather died, I asked him this question. If you could give me any advice at all from your 83 years on the planet, what would you give? And he said this, always be content with what you have. Always be content with what you have. Little did I know at the time that I believed, because he lived a very content life, that he also, he didn't just mean materially, he meant spiritually. Some of us are so restless and, and discontent and still searching and we're, wanting, we're running around with our adoption certificate going, validate me, validate me, validate me, validate me, validate me, validate me. And it's like, I already did. I already signed for you. Why are you not content with what I've done? I'll tell you why, <laughs> if this is you. It's usually because we just we just forget. We just forget. I'm gonna I'm actually gonna leave it there because of time. I've just realized what time it is, and I'm gonna pray for us. There's a type of PTSD where soldiers 
believe they're still fighting in the war when the victory was already won. Mm. And the only way to bring peace to someone with that kind of PTSD is to come alongside them and remind them the war is over, the victory has been won. The war is over, the victory has been won. The war is over, hmm. the victory has been won. Wow. You are loved. It is finished. It is final. It is complete. So saying my, my friend said, have you ever received the Father's blessing? And I, I heard about it. I was like, oh, I'd like that. I, I want a Father's blessing. She said, once you get it, you never, you never have to go after it again. You just know that you know that you know. And I'm like, okay. So I get invited to preach in Adelaide and the and the youth pastor says, preach on whatever you want. And I'm like, I'm going to preach on the power of the Father's blessing because if we can understand how much he loves us, it changes everything. If we know that we're blessed, it's going to change everything. I've got to preach on the power of the Father's blessing. But I'm like, but I've never had it. And she explained to me, the Father's blessing is basically just someone speaking over you, usually a father figure. You are his beloved and you... You bring him great joy. It's just that blessing from the Father. And, um, and I'm like, I want this. I want this Father's blessing. I, I want it, but I haven't had it. But that's all right. I'll preach on it anyway. So I'm flying over to Adelaide on a Friday. Sunday night I'm preaching. And I pray to the Lord in the plane. I said, Lord, I just ask you to bless me with a Father's blessing. I know that I can get it from Scripture and all of that and but I, I long, there's something in me that longs to hear a voice say, this is my beloved. And I know it's from you. I'm not looking for it in the person. But if you would bless me, just give me that Father's blessing. I'd so appreciate it. God. Anyway, get to Adelaide. Saturday, go to a conference. Just random conference I got invited to. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's all right. Next, I go, I'll come back in the morning and then we'll, we'll do the service at night. I go to the morning session. And the organiser of the conference gets up and he says, the Lord woke me up this morning and said I need to bless anyone under the age of 35 with a father's blessing. So if you're here and you're under the age of 35, I'm going to bless you with a father's blessing. I ran to the front and I don't even fully understand or know what was said, but these men just gathered around me and they just blessed me. They blessed who I was They blessed, and I just... It, I literally, I can't even remember a single sentence that was spoken. But what happened is between this young man and his Heavenly Father, I just knew that I 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 am His beloved. I am loved by Him. I bring Him great joy. And you know the cool thing about that is, when I do the dishes and Joyce doesn't thank me, I don't care. And if I want to have sex and she doesn't, I don't care. And uh, if you guys like this message or not, I don't care. <laughs> because he signed for me. And he signed for me on the cross. And so this Easter, I want to invite you, I want to encourage you, I want to invite you to just receive the Father's blessing. To know that you 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 are his beloved, you are loved. And we can only receive that 
through the cross. So if you're um, over the age of 35, I did this last weekend, it was a very interesting experience. In New South Wales, um, So I just want to, I want to give you an opportunity, if you're over the age of 35 and you would say, Andrew, I want you to pray for me, I want you to bless me with that Father's blessing. I know that I'm 34 and it's a little bit strange to have a young guy pray for you, but um, after I pray for you, I'm actually going to ask you to pray for anyone under the age of 35 that would love prayer as well. Um, so we receive to give away. We receive to give away. Pay it forward. It's been given to you freely. Freely we receive, freely we give. So if you're over the age of 35 and you'd say, Andrew, I want you to pray for me. Can you just stand right now? I'd love to pray for you. When I spoke at this church in New South Wales, I said, oh, look, if you're over the age of 35 and you want prayer, you want to receive the Father's blessing, just come forward. We literally had three people left in their seats. I, could, I couldn't believe it of the over 35s. I just couldn't. I, was, I said, this is so tragic. It's so encouraging. Because it's not like... It's not like... I'm not doing an altar call for salvation. You know you're saved. But the call is... If you can get this, then it just, it's like an upgrade in the spirit. And our nation and the world is in an orphan crisis right now. You've got people, they've got parents, but one's off looking at porn in his study, and the other one's too busy trying to get the perfect Instagram snap, and the kids are crying out, who's going to bless me? Who's going to bless me? And I can tell you, it was other men and women. It was actually a woman that introduced me to the concept of the Father's blessing and a man that prayed for me. There's other men and women that saw me get that breakthrough. And so um, I just love to pray for you. If you want, you can hold out your hands. Right now, I bless you with a Father's blessing. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. I bless your gender. I bless your position in your family. I bless your skin. I bless your ears, your nose, your smile, your sense of humour. I bless your creativity. I bless every single thing about you. Before, <laughs> before the foundations of the world, he predestined you. I bless you with that truth. That he was thinking of you just the way you are. He just loves you so much. So Father God, we just bless these mothers and fathers, these sons and daughters. Thank you God that you just rejoice over them. In Jesus' name. Amen. So what's going to happen now is if you're under the age of 35... Um, can those that stood stay standing? Sorry, I'm so sorry. If you're under the age of 35 and you're saying, I want someone to pray for me, um, I'm actually going to invite you to stand up and find one of these guys. And you might say, oh, this is a little bit scary. It's my first time visiting. Or I don't like praying in public. Or I don't. It's, 
I hate to use this term, but it's monkey see, monkey do. So when these young people come up to you, just pop a hand on them and just pray. I just bless you. The Father loves you. He's for you. You might, you might give someone a hug. You know, I was talking with a guy last weekend when we visited these church, churches in New South Wales, and this guy came up to me. He said, it was in this church, and he'd only been there for three years, that I had my first hug from an adult male. And he is in his 20s. So you might say, I just need a hug. I need a, a, a mum, dad, just to hug me and pray for me. So um, I'm going to sing for a moment. Can I use your guitar? I'm just going to sing over us for a, for a few moments and we're going to pray for each other and then we'll come close. Is that all right? Yeah. We good? So um, jump out of your seat. If you're under 35, find someone that's standing and just say, pray for me. I want you to pray for me. And um, if you're not receiving prayer, that's okay. Just let the, the Lord just, just remind you of his love and his goodness this morning. Thank you.